0: Dear friend, you can grow your personal and business brand by creating a strong network through podcasting. Create real human connections. Have the ability to share your story and interesting point of view. To get started, you can make use of the special offer for friends of this podcast, which is on Kitcaster.com/miro. K I T C A S T E R dot C O M slash M I. R-R-O-R. The link and further instruction or details will be found in the show notes for this episode. Thank you. Don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or whatever platform you listen to this on. Thank you. Drawing from 25 years plus of experience and advanced degrees in wellness-related education, today's guest has combined personal coaching, corporate training, and public speaking to personally inform, influence, and inspire thousands on their journeys to becoming better beings. Our latest project, the PFF is your BFF handbook, is ideal for anyone struggling to make healthy eating a lifestyle habit. Welcome to the show, Michelle. How are you doing today?
1: Well, thank you. It is just my delight to be here. I'm very well. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for joining me today on this episode of Mirror Talk Podcast. I am super excited to learn more about elderly living from you and also know how to become a better person from you. Um, but before, before we go down into this topic, can you tell me about your journey from being a competitive gymnast to becoming a coach who transforms the lives of thousands of people.
1: Yes, well, thank you. I would say it was very accidental. Um, <laughs> I certainly didn't have this vision in my mind um, as what I would be doing, uh, you know, 25 years now doing mm. uh, what I do. But I grew up a competitive gymnast uh, back in the 80s and 90s in a small town in Wisconsin. And I loved gymnastics. Um, mm. But what I realized much, much later was I actually didn't love competition. Competition is not a value of mine, uh, and I didn't know that at the time, but uh, for all the great things I learned in gymnastics, just, you know, perseverance and hard work, um, making sure that you are getting your rest and fueling your body properly, and also understanding that you might have to work harder than somebody else does to get Maybe, maybe even not the best result. maybe even not the same result as somebody else's. So those were some, I think, really good life lessons to learn early on. And then, uh, my dream was always to live in Hawaii. That was kind of the the plan since I was eight years old since my parents first first brought us there on vacation one year. And so mm. uh, that uh, plan finally got to come to fruition when I went to college. And I never intended to do competitive gymnastics post uh, high school. Oh. And entering college, it was it was really kind of, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. I thought I wanted to be in the tourism industry, which is why Hawaii was a great fit, and then uh, one semester of that, and I realized I hated it, <laughs> and <laughs> so fell into what really is my true passion, and that is uh, human behavior and, and helping people, and so got my degrees in psychology and nutrition, and then went on to University of Colorado Boulder for my master's in kinesiology, and I would say it really there, where everything sort of kind of uh, fell into place. I really stumbled mm-hmm. into personal training, and as the wellness industry changed and evolved, and we here went through different economic situations, mm-hmm. um, I had to evolve in my own business as well mm-hmm. and uh, that 's really how I got to be more of a, a wellness coach and facilitate um, workshops and host retreats and do all kinds of public speaking and Really Because of my own journey and uh, working with lots of different people that really is my mission to help people be better human beings, whatever that might mean to them at this particular moment in time
0: yes that's a very awesome story i and I enjoy the way you talk about you know evolving and you know um, changing and all, all of this you know moving you in the right direction you know with different circumstances in life and now you are here um you know, influencing the lives of thousands of people with everything you've experienced and everything you've learned so far in life. That is amazing. That is so great.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you. I feel very fortunate, quite honestly, you know, to to be able to live what you love and mm-hmm. make a living doing what you love. I mean, I think that's everybody's desire. And I wish I could say, oh, this was my plan and I had it this way and it all turned out. It. I mean, sometimes the best things do really happen by accident. But I will say it's it's the willingness to be open and to evolve and to continue to educate and learn and grow, maybe to unlearn some things. I know I had to unlearn and relearn a few things because um, things, have, things have changed and what we know about health and well-being has changed as well. And I do find in my coaching there's still a lot of the old message that is so ingrained in people Mm -hmm. and it's a really hard mindset to change. And I know it is because I also had to do it myself. So (laughs) I feel like having that ability to relate because they are experiences I have also personally gone through is very helpful from the coaching side.
0: Well, how how is that like, like, you know, for a coach like you who who have, you know, you have strategies, you have plans set out. Maybe in the next 10 years, it all changes. How, how does that feel like to you? Like working with all of these changes, like 10 years ago, you taught this method and 10 years afterwards, it's no more valid. How does that work?
1: Well, I think it's up to us to really evaluate all of the information, right? Mm-hmm. And to then use our critical thinking skills, which... <laughs> sometimes need to be honed a little bit, not just believe the the magic words that somebody says or or what you read or grab onto that sound bite because that's what we really want. We want the quick fix, we want the easy answer, Mm. but more often than not, it's just not that simple. So I think for me, I had to evaluate as new information came out, okay, does this make sense? Does Mm. it not make sense? what about what we used to know has proven to not be true anymore? And has that shifted my way of thinking as well as my own choices, but also looking at a a much bigger perspective that just because something worked or didn't work for me, Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that same thing is going to work or not work for somebody else. So Mm -hmm. um, it's not always just relearning, but it's also just getting different perspectives and and getting a a broader sense of what may or may not be applicable to somebody based on their particular situation and circumstances.
0: Yeah, that's very good. Uh, That's true. So we should not just be rigid and say, okay, this is the way I learned it That's I supposed to be for the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think I think we get we get very stuck in that and and I know I have as well and it's hard, right? Change is just hard in general. Mm-hmm. And when you've had uh information kind of drilled into your brain for so long or maybe you actually were never taught it, mm-hmm. you just were able to do things in your life at a certain time and it didn't appear to be affecting you in a negative way, mm-hmm. so you assume that you'll always be able to engage in those habits and they will never affect you in a negative way. And that is also a big uh, challenge for for many, many people. I I work with lots of people who say, oh, I used to be able to eat whatever I wanted. Mm -hmm. And Except that you're not that person anymore, right? Things have been very different. Um, Or I used to, you know, just be able to lose five pounds just like that. Okay, well, used to is great, but (laughs) your reality is right now. So what do we have to do differently to adjust for how your body has changed, Mm -hmm. how your life situation has changed, Mm -hmm. because those are all going to impact obviously, the overall outcome
0: of whatever goal it is that you're trying to reach. Yes, that's true. And talking about, you know, aids to, you know, help you to achieve your goals for now, um, you wrote you are two awesome books that I would love for us to talk about. But well, let us start with, you know, The You Revolution, The Journey of a Better Being. The Journey of a Better Being. It is packed, you know, with practical tools to empower us to improve our physical, mental and emotional health. So, can you tell me more about this book and the inspiration behind it, as well as the those tools that could help me to improve my health?
1: Yes, I would love to. Thank you. The U Revolution um, again sort of happened by accident. I had a, one of my corporate clients come to me and asked me to create a robust personal growth and development surrounding well-being um, program for one of their clients that had a wellness program and wanted to offer something like that for their mm. employees. So I reflected in my own life and my own journey. Well, what does it take to create a healthy, happy human? Turns out it takes a lot. (laughs) It takes a lot. We have to feed it properly. We have to move it. We have to understand our stressors and how to manage them. We need to get our sleep. We should probably have some basic understanding of the human body as a specimen, like blood pressure, cholesterol, blood sugar, how those things impact my health, how my choices impact those biometrics. Mm-hmm. I think attitude and mindset are huge. I mean, they're probably the foundation of all of it. Mm-hmm. And so that's really what the U-Revolution is. It's uh, it's uh, addressing everything that a human specimen needs in order to reduce risk for disease, but ideally in order to thrive. And then the journey of a better being, I I thread all of my personal stories and my own stories of my journey of health and well-being um, throughout the book. So whatever the chapter is talking about, I have a story about it. (laughs) And I like to share from personal experience because what I have found is we are all very much more alike than we are different. Um, You know, it might be packaged differently, the challenge or the obstacle might look a little bit different. But I I really truly say probably at this point, I've interacted with 1000s of people, and we're very common humans, we Mm -hmm. really are. And Mm -hmm. so I know that if I struggled with it, probably somebody else is struggling with it. And maybe they can just make their journey a little easier, Mm -hmm. if I share my solutions to that particular obstacle. So I find that by uh, sharing you know my own challenges as well as my solutions around those challenges um, I think that's the best way for me to help people
0: so I did like some of these tools that you could walk us through or you could tell me about for example that I could use to um, improve my health so that. Um, Listeners out there could also benefit.
1: Yeah, um, well, I think, first of all, understanding the human body, we really aren't taught that. I don't know, you know, if your audience is taught that, but I know growing up in school, we're we're taught some basics, but we really aren't taught a lot about how our brain interacts with the rest of our body. We have this very, um, this idea that we're very disconnected, right? It's mind-body, except that the mind is part of your body. This is actually one whole specimen. Cool. And I know when I really started to make the connection that what I think up in here creates some kind of feeling and that feeling generates some kind of energy and that yeah. energy leads to some kind of action. Mm-hmm. If it's negative, it's going to lead to something negative. That's, okay. I mean, that that's almost always the way it goes. Mm-hmm. And we can't control what, what the thoughts that come in, but we do get to decide what we do with it. We have the option of controlling what we do with those thoughts. Mm. I would say this is probably the most recent piece of the puzzle in my own journey to come into play. Now it's been there for quite some time now, but I wasn't really on board with this for, for a long time. Back when I was growing up, this wasn't a thing. We, I mean, mindfulness has been having a movement in a moment and it's Mm -hmm. great. So I think it's very um, common now to be talking about this, but this really wasn't a, a topic of conversation. And so For me to really dig deep and adjust my mindset, really get into my internal dialogue. How is that helping me? How is it hurting me? And then what do I need to do to change it? And I did discover that unless and until you change what's going on up here, Mm -hmm. very little else is going to change for the long term. Now, we can do anything for a short amount of time. But you have to have the belief and you have to have, um, the confidence that you can implement certain strategies and you have the skills to be able to overcome these obstacles. Mm-hmm. It's just hard. I think that's just, that's just the answer to everything. Healthy mm-hmm. is hard. That's, that's basically what it comes down to.
0: Yes, that's true. And in, in your book, you mentioned something, um, you talked about some points that has to do with, you know, um, how to make your hormones behave and, um, you know mindful eating tools and also you know tips for um, a better um, night sleep for example can you can you tell me like how can i make my hormones behave how can i make my how can i put my hormones under control
1: that's such a great question i love it i love talking about hormones because they are either completely misunderstood or not even on somebody's radar mm-hmm. so the your hormones are simply your body's chemical messengers and we have about 50 different types of hormones in the human body mm-hmm. and They're literally sending messages to all of your systems, telling the systems what they need to be doing. And ideally, we have our hormones working. When they're supposed to be working, not overworking, not being depleted, and they are balanced with each other in the way that they need to be balanced with each other. Mm -hmm. So, how we make our hormones behave, you're going to love this. It's very, um, it's very earth shattering. (laughs) It's very not (laughs) sexy. It's called the healthy lifestyle. Mm -hmm. It's what you put in your body affects lots and lots of hormones from your hunger hormones to your uh, blood sugar-regulating hormones, insulin and glucagon, of course, your stress, fight-or-flight hormone, cortisol. It -hmm. also can affect estrogen and testosterone and progesterone. I mean, what you put in your body impacts everything, Mm -hmm. not only from your body's ability to make your chemicals, but then what those chemicals are gonna actually do based on what you just did or didn't put in your body. Mm -hmm. So it's high quality fuel, it's proper hydration, um, lots of rest, repair and recovery time. So we have to allow the body to get rest and we can call that sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, We also have to have things that give us a sense of joy, a sense of purpose um, that makes us feel like we're valued and we're appreciated. And then we have to have minimal fight or flight experiences in our lives. So we call that stress, right? So stress management is a very big thing. It has been always, but certainly in the last year and a half, it's been on the forefront of many people's minds. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we are in a state of chronic fight or flight, we are in a state of chronic hormonal imbalance Mm -hmm. because that's what fight or flight is the fight or flight response, your survival mechanism, is literally complete chemical chaos. Because back in the day, we had to really ramp up to survive real threats and they were imminent threats. And so the body or the brain detects danger. It releases adrenaline and cortisol. Mm. Cortisol is kind of the stage manager of fight or flight. It's gonna tell all the other hormones what to do based on the perceived nature of the threat. Mm. So under true fight or flight, this chemical imbalance is fabulous. It's what allows us to fight or flee or to behave in a way that the body doesn't really behave in under non-threatening circumstances. Mm. Where we run into problems is because we're in a state of chronic fight or flight, because certain things will trigger us into that. Mm. And the body doesn't know the difference between an animal that's trying to eat you and something that's made you afraid, right it's the same reaction in the body mm-hmm. and so how you make your hormones behave it's eat properly move your body i mean exercise is a huge one yeah. minimal fight or flight experiences so manage your stress triggers yeah set yourself up for the best night of sleep you possibly can get, and then work on the mindset to switch it to being more positive than negative, and of course, find purpose in your life.
0: Awesome. But I I love the fact that you made mention of stress management. (laughs) And now to ask you, how can I manage my stress?
1: Yes. um, So when I think of stress management, I kind of break it down into two separate things. One is to evaluate your triggers. And a trigger is anything that gets you going. So any reaction or emotion that's tied to your fight or flight response, it's it's in fight or flight. So I wanna identify a particular trigger. So something that gets me angry, irritated, frustrated, worried, annoyed. I have fear, I have anxiety, I have guilt. Mm. Those are all emotions and reactions that are part of your fight or flight system And back in the day, those reactions and emotions were were actually serving to protect us. They they were there to protect us from danger, to help us survive a potential threat. Well, I'm guessing the things that get you going like that these days are probably not actual threats to your life in that moment, which means there's no need for your survival mechanism to kick in. Mm. So you want to identify the triggers and then evaluate, is this a real threat to my life? And If you can answer no, it's not, then your goal is to teach yourself a way to respond differently so that you don't get angry, irritated, frustrated, annoyed, fear, have constant anxiety, are hanging on to guilt. And I mean, those are all really, you know, long journeys for people to go on, depending on what the particular thing is. Mm -hmm. Some are very simple. Some are really, really, really hard to adjust the mindset on those. Mm So that's number one, stress management is let's just not get into fight or flight in the first place, but then we have to also put practices in place that will help us release the stress, right? So developing your emotional awareness, being very in tune with your emotions. If I'm angry, I should feel anger. I don't want to pretend I'm not angry. If I really am, Mm -hmm. let me be angry. And then let me evaluate, is this helping me? How long should I stay angry? What am I going to do about this thing that's making me angry? Can I do something about it? Is this a thing I can control? If it is, great, let me do something. If it's not, then my healthy choice is to steer my my, uh, attention to something else. Mm -hmm. Um, If I have, you know, lots of busy thoughts, right? This is Mm -hmm. big for a lot of people, the very busy mind. Your busy mind is normal. It means you're human. Uh, It's very normal to be on high alert for danger. That's how we're wired. Back in in the day, the person who was on high alert for danger and assumed that every noise they heard was a tiger that was going to eat them, Mm -hmm. even if they were wrong, it didn't matter, right? But when they were right, well, they're the one that survived. (laughs) If you're the person who's just Going along. No, there's no danger anywhere. Oh, that's just the wind making that noise. And you were wrong. And it was a tiger. You would have been eaten. Mm -hmm. So this is part of survival, that busy, busy mind. But now you have to determine, is that necessary? Do I really need to be on high alert for danger every minute? Most likely not. And then I have to teach myself to redirect my thoughts, redirect my mind, learn how to create my calm. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not about eliminating thoughts. I think people have a very um, big misconception about that. You don't want to get rid of your thoughts. You don't want to get rid of negative thoughts. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's probably literally impossible to do that anyway, Mm -hmm. but you want to be able to evaluate what's going on in your mind and determine for yourself if this is useful. Is it helpful? Is it necessary? If it's not any of those things, then, okay, let me put some practices in place like a deep breathing practice, um, a visualization practice, maybe a meditation practice, Mm -hmm. maybe it's a gratitude practice, perhaps it's journaling just to get your thoughts out every day. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's going to therapy. It's an intuitive healer. I mean, we can do it in a whole bunch of different ways the thing is you have to do it right that's the thing is you actually have to do the work and it's hard again i mean that's going to be the answer to everything it's hard
0: one other point that all of us to talk about from the book is uh you know weight loss so how what, what is what is the truth about weight loss and what are the strategies of you know um losing weight for the rest of one's life like lifetime or lifelong weight loss and not just a diet for a short period of time and gaining the weight back and, you know, the whole cycle.
1: <laughs> Thank you for that question. That is the eternal question, isn't it? Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I've been on this planet for a number of years and I remember growing up that my mom always had to lose five pounds. These were words out of her mouth. Mm-hmm. I have to lose five pounds, yeah. and I thought, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know why, but I guess this is just what you do. You, you have to lose five pounds. Mm-hmm. So weight loss is, I think that the conversation is never going to go away. And what's really interesting and I think quite disheartening is the more focus we've put on it, at least in this country, in America, uh, the worse we've gotten. We are now at, I mean, ridiculous epidemic stages of obesity. And it's only getting worse. Our young people now are, are, you know, just accelerating the pace of obesity. Mm -hmm. And so I think part of why that's happened is because we don't want the truth. Mm -hmm. We want the quick fix. Mm -hmm. And everybody's out to give you this magic potion, this magic workout, oh, if you just do this, if you just go on this diet. Mm -hmm. The truth is you lose weight by burning more calories than you consume. I mean, it's literally as simple as that. It's it's just basic science. Mm But the bigger picture that most people don't fully understand is what you put in your body, how much you put in your body, when you put it in, the ratio of the certain nutrients that you put in, all of that affects how you burn those calories. Mm -hmm. And then of course, your activity, your movement, your body composition, your age, that plays a role. Your hormones play a role. There are so many facets to actually long-term weight loss. And then we have to get over the obstacles. Well, people tell me all the time, I know what I need to do. I'm just not doing it. Mm -hmm. Well, we got to bridge that gap, right? Because knowing isn't super useful. Mm -hmm. And so we have to identify, and this was probably a, the biggest piece of my journey very early on, this is probably what really got me started being serious about my health. Um, after I quit gymnastics, I kind of went on like a ha ha to the world tour. I can do whatever I want now. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know anything about gymnastics, it's helpful to be a rather small person. And um, that for me led to kind of an unhealthy relationship with food, lots of mixed messages and just. I just internalized it in a very unhealthy way. Mm -hmm. So when I decided I was gonna hang up the grips and no longer be a gymnast, I thought, oh, I was free. I can do whatever I want. This is amazing. Mm -hmm. And for me, that meant I could go eat whatever I want, whenever I want, as much as I want. I don't care, ha ha, look at me. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Except I actually did care, (laughs) but boy, was it fun at the time. Mm Except it really kind of wasn't because all along that way, there was a lot of self-sabotage going on in my brain. And, you know, obviously when you do that, you gain a lot of weight. So I I gained over 50 pounds in a year and a half. And um, having spent a couple of years at that weight and really not loving myself in a lot of ways, and then going to Hawaii for college and just really not enjoying my first few years there, I realized that if I didn't make some pretty serious changes, it was only going to get worse. So I had to not only take a deep dive into understanding nutrition, which first of all meant I had to educate myself from the start, because what we learned back in the day was that fat is the devil. If you eat fat, you're going to get fat, you'll have a heart attack, and then you'll die. Mm -hmm. So a whole bunch of us thought we were making really good choices by not eating fat. Turns out we were just setting ourselves up for a whole bunch of problems, Mm -hmm. So I had to re-educate myself. I had to trust that maybe doing things differently could have a different outcome. And that's scary. Right. But I also had to do a little dirty work in my own brain. I had to get messy. I had to uncover some stuff and and work through some things like, why was I turning to food? Why was I eating all of this stuff when I know it's not helping me get to my goals? Mm. So identifying your particular emotional attachment whether it's to food or your relationship with exercise I mean stress that also impacts your ability to lose weight so again there's so many things that go into this formula but on paper we just look at it like oh my fitness pal said I ate this many calories and my Fitbit says I burned this many calories Mm -hmm. I should be losing weight yeah And, and it's not quite that simple and I think another just big myth that I am still, I am honestly shocked that people still think this, that eating like 1200 calories a day as an adult human mm-hmm. is the way to go. Um, that's called starvation. <laughs> and I, I work with so many women who literally are starving themselves into obesity, And I know that doesn't make sense for a lot of people, like cognitively, how can that happen? Mm -hmm. But when you don't eat enough to fuel your adult human specimen, it must be because there is no food. There's a food shortage. That's a famine. And then I'm going to die. Well, so here we go. Let's kick into survival mode. So fight or flight kicks in. I'm going to conserve energy, which means I'm slowing down metabolism, which means. No processes in my body are working op, working optimally. In addition, I'm going to kick out some cortisol and uh, protect my organs. So what's going to happen is, let's say we really are in a, a famine, we're going to be losing a whole bunch of weight. Mm-hmm. That's what happens when you're starving. Mm-hmm. Eventually, I might lose so much weight that my organs are in danger. So as I release cortisol, the body is going to redirect fat storage around my belly. Mm. And then what happens is because you probably can't stay on a restrictive diet like that forever. Well, then it's a feast. So now I go and eat whatever I want, right? I'm off the diet and I'm going to put all the weight back on. And then some, because your metabolism has been so completely destroyed that it just knows a famine's coming again sometime. So we're just going to kind of hang out here, make sure we can survive that one too. So it's a scary thing to recognize that you need to eat more in order to lose weight. And that it's a big, big mindset block for so many people. And I I just continue to encourage people that you just got to trust the people who've been there Mm -hmm. and the people that do it and know it. And and you just have to, at some point, recognize that the way you've been going about it hasn't worked Mm -hmm. so let's perhaps go about it a different way. And I mean, at the end of the day, it might not work either, but there's a very good chance that it will.
0: I really love that because I myself have been asked that kind of question before. Like Toby, um, I'm eating, you know, um, I'm on this diet, I'm eating like low low amount of food, for example, um, burning more calories and I'm consuming or something like that. But I'm great. I'm growing fatter. What's happening? What's the issue? And I'm always just like... Yeah, dumbfounded, I don't know what to say about it, but this is the right answer. The metabolism also reduces, the rate of metabolism reduces and one gets fatter that way.
1: And, you know, I think so often we put the focus on the calories of the food. Mm. What we don't really focus on is the nutrients that food is giving us. If Mm. you're on such a low calorie diet, number one, that probably means you're not eating very much fat and fat is essential for so many of your body processes to happen but it also means you're not getting adequate amino acids from sources of protein. You're not getting adequate vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, fiber, all those things that you get from plants, which are your carbohydrates. Because when you're consuming such a small quantity in terms of calories, it also means you're consuming a very small quantity in terms of nutrients. And those nutrients, those raw materials that the food gives us, are what this human specimen needs in order to function properly. Mm -hmm. So if I'm not putting it in, I'm going to draw those nutrients out of my storage, which means I'm probably going to draw it out of my muscle Mm because that's where I store a lot of nutrition. Mm -hmm. So now I'm also losing muscle mass, Mm -hmm. which means I'm also decreasing my metabolism because muscle – is metabolically active. It burns calories 24 seven. So along with the nutrition piece of it, there has to be the exercise component. And I think I really believe everybody needs to engage in consistent strength training. I don't care, male, female, I don't I don't care. I don't care what your goals are. If you yeah. want to be a healthy human mm-hmm. and either facilitate fat loss or prevent fat gain, mm-hmm. you want to remain independent when you're 50, 60, 80 years old, yes. you have to actively work to either build or maintain your muscle. Because if you don't have a job where you are lifting, pushing, pulling, carrying heavy things mm-hmm. all day long, you're losing muscle every year, right? If you don't use it, you lose it. And so, definitely, I mean, I one of my, one of the phrases in my book is "hustle, hustle, build that muscle," because <laughs> muscle is going to be your ally for the future and and well into it. And I definitely encourage people to get on a consistent strength training routine.
0: people out there who are like, you know, saying, oh, this is so strenuous. Um, it's not so it's not so interesting for me to work out or do, do some exercises." Can you like suggest some fun exercises or things that they could do to build up the muscles?
1: Well, I don't know if they're fun, right? Everybody's definition <laughs> of fun is a little different. Um, one thing that I, I also the tough love trainer in me comes out and says, you don't have to like it; you just have to do it. Hmm. I mean, sometimes that's the answer, right? We don't get to like every single thing, but if you want an outcome, yes. you have to do the things necessary to get that outcome. So, I would say even before we get into the the particular exercises, you have to come up with your why. What is your personally meaningful reason for why you're gonna do hard things? Mm. Why are you going to make hard choices? Because let's face it, it's easier to not exercise than it is to exercise. So why are you going to exercise? Well, because I wanna lose weight, I wanna have energy, I wanna whatever. Well, okay, then that should be a big enough motivator to to do these things, right? but it also doesn't have to be very complicated. And I think we like to complicate things. We like things to be very fancy. And if they're not fancy, then they probably don't work. Mm. It's very simple. I mean, if you are just starting out, it can be very simple. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you do 25 push push-ups, maybe against the wall or the countertop or you're on your knees, on the floor, whatever level, but you do 25 of them, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Mm. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, you do body weight squats. Maybe you sit down into a chair and you stand up from the chair and you do that 25 times, or you sit against the wall. Like you're sitting in a chair. So you hold a wall, sit for a minute. You throw in some planks, you work on your balance. Maybe you go up and down your stairs 10 times, put on some great music, get Mm -hmm. yourself some nice clothes, good shoes, do whatever you need to do to jazz it up and make it fun. But I think we definitely get ourselves in all or nothing mindset. Mm -hmm. And if I can't do it all, then I do nothing. Mm -hmm. And this was never more apparent than when uh pandemic first hit and the gyms here closed down. And all these people were like, well, I can't work out because my gym closed. Like, you can't work out because your gym closed. What do you mean? You have a body, you can do jumping jacks, you can run up and down your stairs, you can do push-ups. You could probably get some resistance bands. They're not that expensive. Well, yeah, but I really like going to my, my, CrossFit class because I like the camaraderie. And, oh, okay. So the real answer is you can't do what you want to do. So you do nothing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, That's that nice. definitely isn't going to get us where we need to go. So I think part of being a better being yeah. is the ability to be fluid and flexible as things change as obstacles appear mm-hmm. okay well not what can't i do but what can i do and let me do the best i can with the reality in which i currently exist because ultimately that's it what else could you could you possibly ask for that's
0: very true Wow. so it's just to find your why your purpose i want to I want to be be able to walk and be able to be fit by the time i'm 60 100 years old so right now i have to you know build up some muscles So that's I can do that.
1: Yeah, I think having a forward thinking vision is really important, right? We do get very busy in the day to day of life and it's hard to imagine that what I'm doing today is gonna make a difference ten years from now. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's the reality is no, one day isn't gonna make a difference. Mm -hmm. One choice isn't going to make a difference, Mm -hmm. but it's the cumulative effect of the Mm -hmm. things that we're doing over and over, right? What's the habit? Is it more often than not, I exercise and then I went for five days without exercising? Mm -hmm. Or is it, oh, I exercised for five days and then I went a whole bunch of time without exercising? Mm -hmm. Is it more often than not, I'm eating really healthy food and then yeah, I went on this holiday with my family and we ate all kinds of stuff and or is it, nah, mostly I'm eating like all kinds of stuff. And every now and then I get on this, you know, this little, um, stint of putting like salad in my body. <laughs> so you have to look at the big picture and it's, it's the overall, what are the habits? What's my consistent pattern? Cause that is really what is going to impact your outcome in the long run yes. and getting out of this idea that there's going to be, be some quick fix that if I do this, then this will happen, and it will probably happen overnight, and yes. it will have been super easy. because <laughs> yes. yes. that's not reality.
0: Food is very important, and that's why I would love us to talk about your book. Um, the PFF is your best is your BFF handbook, best friend handbook, and PFF, as I understood, is, um, it stands for protein, fat, and fiber. And earlier, you mentioned that fat is very, actually very important, which is one thing I also have to work on myself to ensure that I have enough fats in my body or in my diet, as I, in what I eat, for example. So can you tell me about this handbook? And um, can you also tell me about the, the power of combining um, protein, fat, and fiber at every meal uh, or snacks that I have to take?
1: Yes, thank you. Um, so the PFF is your BFF handbook is literally a simple guide to fueling your busy body. That's the subtitle. So, you know, again, we like to make nutrition very complicated and what am I supposed to eat and don't eat that and eat this. And we're supposed to eat this today and that's going to kill you tomorrow. So I try to make it very, very simple. And again, nutrition was a huge piece of my own development and journey. Mm -hmm. And it was identifying that at the core of all of it is keeping your blood sugar steady steady blood sugar from the time you get up to the time you go to bed is the key to your life, truly. Mm -hmm. And how we achieve steady blood sugar is by eating protein, fat and fiber, because those three things are very difficult for the body to break down. So they're gonna provide a very slow, steady source of fuel to nourish your brain and your body so you can think and function. Mm -hmm. And then you have to refuel, so PFF, every two to four hours. Mm -hmm. And you wanna fuel mostly when you're up and functioning and need your fuel and you don't need a whole bunch to lay down and go to bed. Mm -hmm. So PFF every two to four hours, most of your nourishment early and often in your day, less of it as you're getting closer to bedtime. That's kind of the the basic strategy of how to eat. And protein, fat, and fiber, again, it's about steady blood sugar, because if we allow ourselves to get in a cycle of spiking and crashing blood sugar, Mm -hmm. there's a very good chance that you're going to go eat sugar because physiologically, that's what you need. So I'll give you just a prime example. This happened to me daily back when I was going through like trying to figure out what to do so again this is early 90s fat is the devil I'm going to be good and not eat fat because I don't want to get any fatter than I already am so I would have a plain bagel fat-free yogurt and a banana and I would be like good job me I ate no fat I ate really healthy food I'm so good I'm not gonna have cookies today and then like an hour later I literally it's not that I wanted cookies it's that I had to have them and I had to go find them. And I was going to die if I didn't get them. Mm. And what I learned is fat-free yogurt, a bagel and a banana is sugar, sugar, and sugar. Mm. There's a tiny amount of protein in that yogurt, but really none to speak of. And there's no fat anywhere. So I flooded my body with glucose. It went out very quickly because all of that stuff breaks down very, very easily. And then I crashed. And when your blood sugar crashes, You physiologically need sugar. So at that point, it wasn't about willpower, even though that's what I thought it was. Like, gosh, what's wrong with you? You're such a loser. You can't not eat cookies. What is your deal? Mm -hmm. And then the cycle of self-sabotage would kick in. Well, again, going back to understanding how a human body works, you want to avoid those spikes and crashes. And protein, fat, and fiber are really what do that. A couple other reasons why you're going to want to embrace PFF as your BFF is because we have fat-soluble vitamins, A, D, E, K. Mm -hmm. So again, I think probably a very classic example, uh, people will maybe decide to eat carrots as a snack instead of the chips that they normally eat. So Mm -hmm. great, carrots are a real food, fabulous, but it's a carbohydrate all by itself. So you're probably going to spike your blood sugar, it's going to crash, and then you're going to go get the chips anyway. But also, those carrots have a lot of vitamin A in the form of beta carotene. Mm -hmm. Well, vitamin A is a fat-soluble vitamin. So here I am making a much better choice by eating carrots instead of chips, but I'm not even getting the benefit of that better choice because I don't have any fat with it, so I'm not absorbing that beta carotene. Mm -hmm. So I'm putting great nutrition in my body, and I'm getting literally zero benefit from it. Mm. So you need to eat fat with your food so that you absorb those nutrients.
0: Yes.
1: Fat is also flavor, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And fat works on your hunger hormone, leptin. When you eat fat, it triggers the release of leptin. Leptin is the hormone that tells you you're satiated. Fiber works on your other hunger hormone, ghrelin. When you eat food that has fiber, as it travels through your digestive system, it absorbs water, expands gets to your stomach, which is where ghrelin is produced. Ghrelin is the growler. It tells you you're hungry. Yeah. Well, as your stomach stretches and it shuts the production of ghrelin off, it's a lot easier to minimize what's going in if you don't have a hormone telling you that you're hungry. Mm. So those are those are the reasons that you're gonna wanna embrace PFF as your BFF. And the handbook, it's literally ideas of combinations. So people tell me, oh, it's really complicated to eat healthy. And it, it totally can be. We could make anything complicated. We do that but it doesn't have to be. It can be very, very simple. Mm -hmm. So you come up with foods that you like to eat and then you figure out what food gives me protein, what food gives me fat, what food gives me fiber, Mm -hmm. and you come up with your combos. And so the handbook is just a whole bunch of ideas of combos. You might like some of them, you might hate some of them, but hopefully it at least gets you thinking about, Oh, well I don't like that, but I could put it with that. And I will like that. And -hmm. then it's very simple.
0: You said, you said um, we have to like, eat like regularly, this protein, fat and fiber to some hours before we go to bed. So when is the best time to stop eating before going to bed? Like um, how many hours before going to bed should I stop eating?
1: You know, I would say probably at least three hours before you go to bed. I don't know if, uh, you know, if your listeners are familiar with intermittent fasting. It's kind of a big deal going around here. Mm. Um, What it means is there's a window of time that you eat and a window of time that you don't eat. What we've done here is we've gotten pretty good about eating breakfast because we hear all the time breakfast is the most important meal of the day. So we do that. But we're also staying up way too late, way past when we should have gone to bed and we're eating. Mm. So we might not even have a 12 hour window of time where we're not putting something in our body. And that's the minimum. You want a minimum 12 hours of not putting something in your body to give your body time to rest. Mm. So up to a 16-hour window of fasting, I think is very doable for most people as a lifestyle. I personally do a 16-8 window where eight hours I eat and 16 hours I don't eat. But that eight-hour window of eating again, most of it should be early and often in my day. And if you nourish properly in that window of time, and you're going to consume a lot of food, most people don't even have a concept about how much food they actually should be eating. And that's an adjustment period. But when you consume adequately, you don't get hungry. That's the thing. So You know, digestion itself is very difficult on the body, and it's hard to get good restful sleep if your body's busy working on breaking down food. Mm -hmm. You might not also uh, fully absorb the food you're putting in your body Mm -hmm. because while you're trying to sleep, the body's chemicals are not really uh, in a position to be digesting And breaking down the food because we're not supposed to have eaten and laid down. That's just Mm -hmm. not the way it used to work. So our bodies Mm -hmm. are not ready to do that work. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say, you know, try to aim for a three hour cutoff before you before you go to bed Um, Mm -hmm. more. If you're doing, you know, a window of time and you're getting a lot of food in your body, Mm -hmm. then you might want to have a bigger window um, of time before you're going to bed.
0: That's awesome. So I think this handbook is a, a must-read for everyone to get to so, you know just get some tips, get some strategies, some tools in order to improve one's um health and one's um way of eating or yeah to get healthy living and um, healthy eating also. That's that's great. And you also have you have, you have courses that you you do uh, apart from you know being an author, you're a public speaker, and you talk about you know wellness and corporate wellness for example. Can you tell me about this? What's corporate wellness about, and how can I yeah how can I have a how can I have a, a, a good atmosphere at my place of work? Or yeah,
1: yeah. Um, so a lot of companies are understanding that healthy employees are better employees, and just putting some uh, value into their employees' well-being overall is something that really has become um, relatively common. Not maybe as common as I am hoping it will become, um, but this idea of employee well-being is, I think, incredibly critical. You know. Your employees are humans first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if your human is not well, then your employee is not going to produce or perform well. Mm-hmm. And since most humans spend a lot of time in the workplace, it's helpful if you have some kind of level of support to support their growth in their well being. And so, very often, I'm brought in to teach a variety of topics, and I teach on literally everything um, from stress management to knowing your numbers. So a lot of times people go to the doctor, get their blood pressure, blood sugar, cholesterol, get all those numbers checked. Yes. But they don't really know actually what they mean, and they don't know what habits they're engaging in that could be impacting that number. So I can teach all about that. Um, I teach on nutrition. I teach on mindset. So, you know, it's, it's really any topic that is about enhancing or improving your physical, mental, or emotional well-being. Mm-hmm. So I might come in and do a lunch and learn, or I'll do a virtual session. Of course, that's been uh, kind of the mainstay for the last uh, 16, 17 months now, yeah. and uh, which has been beautiful because obviously I can reach a much bigger audience doing that mm-hmm. and just spread the message of, of health and well-being within the workplace. And when you have people who are working together for a company, it's also nice if they're working together to support their needs to be a healthy human. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of times we'll incorporate maybe some kind of um, activity for the month that helps you focus on a particular uh, piece of your wellness. You know, let's do, okay, let's get your veggies in. Everybody has has to try a new vegetable this week or whatever. So we can incorporate specific targeted tasks uh, each, uh, each time around as well. But yeah, that's through corporate wellness. I've also created U Revolution University, mm-hmm. which is uh, basically my online recorded content. And you can uh, sign up to be a U, Revo- U Revolution University student mm-hmm. and access um, all my content. There's one-on-one coaching available. So that's an option for people who might not have a wellness program at their company, or maybe you're self-employed, and that's just not something you're ever going to get. So you can still get wellness education through U Revolution University.
0: University yeah that's good I'm going to place the link to your website in the show notes for this episode so i would love everyone to click on the link where you can get information about the courses the public speaking and also the books that um are available on amazon to be purchased and get a copy of the book to read anyone or both both books to read and you know improve your life and become better beings. that that would be awesome that'd be great and you know i love i Thank love the, i love that I love the fact that you know your your mission is to to help us have you know better minds, better bodies, and to be better beings in general. So can you tell me how to you know with this that kind of life where we have we have a lot of things to do, you know, a lot of tasks to to um, set to or to um, you know a lot of missions to to accomplish in life. Um, how do you work on your work-life balance like how can i eat you know how can i be mindful of my eating healthy you know um becoming a better person and also working to accomplish everything to accomplish in life and combining everything all together and still being healthy and uh, emotionally stable <laughs> how can i do that you
1: know it, it's a lot that's the thing you know back in the day life was very hard but it was simple mm-hmm. i got up i found food hopefully or somebody else did i did my hard work in the community um we hopefully didn't get eaten by animals. We didn't mm. eat poisonous berries. And then it got dark. I went to sleep and then I woke up and I did the whole thing over again. Mm. So it was very simple. There weren't a lot of options, but it was really hard. Like I had to work really hard. I had to run away from animals sometimes. Mm. Well, nowadays life is very easy. It's just incredibly complicated, mm. right? I can push a button on my phone and food shows up and that. <laughs> really easy. So you have to decide, are you worth it? Are you worth taking the time and energy to make the hard choices? And I hope that everybody determines that they are worth it. Mm -hmm. One thing that might be helpful is to um, articulate for yourself, your goals, your values, and your priorities. And when I do this in a training, we'll have people write these things down. And very often, they didn't make their own list. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't put myself on the list of priorities. And I think that's very telling. And yet this thing requires effort, right? So Mm -hmm. when you identify what your goals, values and priorities are, you can then determine, am I spending my time and energy in ways that I say are important to me? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, maybe you did put yourself on the list, but then you look and you're like, yeah, except I'm not really doing anything that reflects that I'm a priority in my life. So I think you first have to get to that place that you have determined, I'm important enough to take care of. Mm -hmm. And then you have to establish systems and routines to make it all happen because that's the thing. We only are forever gonna have 24 hours in the day. And now we have more to do, more options, more expectations, more demands, Mm -hmm. but ultimately this thing is often the one that gets neglected. And so it's either do a little hard work now or have a a lot of hard work to do later. And, and that is something I discovered in my own life, right? Easy, 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 really, really hard. (laughs) And so now I'm like, no, let me just more often than not make the hard choice. And then hopefully I'll avoid harder later. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I'm working with people who are in the harder later phase. And if we can avoid that altogether, that's ideal. But that means you have to do a little bit of the work all along the way. Again, it's Consistency, and it doesn't have to be, you know, overwhelming. But appreciate that little things are going to add up to an outcome.
0: Mm-hmm. That's true. That's very good. Wow. So, as a closing remark, what would you tell someone out there who's trying to become a better being, who's trying, you know, struggling so hard to have um good uh, or healthy um, eating habits, or just to improve one's lifestyle for a long time, not just for a short period of time, but for the rest of Israel life? or will you tell that person?
1: You know, actually, what I'll do for you is I'm going to send you this health habit assessment that I have. And I think mm-hmm. that's a really good way uh, you can share it with the listeners to just get an evaluation of where you actually are in your own health and well-being. Mm-hmm. And once you take that assessment, you can then determine, okay, what am I ready and willing to work on? recognizing that you're not going to be able to do it all and you shouldn't do it all at once. So start small, pick one thing. Maybe it is nutrition. Maybe it's the mindset. Maybe it's, oh, I need to disconnect from technology a little more, Mm. but then put a real strategy in place. Not just, I'm going to try to eat better. (laughs) That's a statement, not a strategy. So specifically what are the things I'm going to do, what does that even mean? What does eat better mean? Mm-hmm. So gain some clarity, get it out, out of your head and, and really be thoughtful about it and then identify what potential obstacles are going to come in your way and what are going to be the strategies around those obstacles. But, you know, it is a journey. And I think um, for me, one of the biggest shifts in my own uh, mindset was to let go, go of this idea of the result. We're so focused on the result and the outcome. And yet, if I just do what I need to do to get that outcome, there's a very good chance I'll get that outcome. Even if I don't get that outcome, if I've done really good things, I know it's still impacted and had a, had a had a good um, you know benefit to me, mm. so I learned to let go of the outcome and focus on the actions instead because I'm in control of actions. I'm not in control of outcomes, <laughs> and that again, it's part of the mindset, but you have to have patience with yourself. Um, you have to have patience with the process, but you also have to do the work mm. so um, you know, those are kind of the keys to to getting moving forward on the journey and and to recognize that the the journey's not linear. It doesn't just go like that. Mm-hmm. It's up and down and round and round. And sometimes it spirals and sometimes it's, a, you know, a, a big hill and sometimes it's tiny. Mm-hmm. That's actually the journey. That's mm-hmm. not failure or a setback. That's the that's what the journey is. Mm-hmm. So embrace it. Just embrace the journey.
0: Wow, that's awesome. Thank you so much for everything I've I've been able to learn from you today. I've learned the importance of patience, the importance of taking responsibility for the actions and not just looking at the results or the outcome. I've learned, you know, how to eat better. I now know the meaning of PFF, protein, fat, fiber, and I know that fat is very important for me and eating healthy is is good for me. And uh, thank you so much for everything. Um, you've taught me today and I hope everyone who has listened would be able to take one or two things from this like I did also to have a better you know life and you become much more mentally um, healthy and maybe also emotionally stable that would be so awesome thank you so much
1: well thank you it's been a pleasure
0: wow you made it to the very end of this episode Thank you so much for listening. I'm grateful for your time, your love, and your contributions. Subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast. God bless you. Bye.